0: Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land we broadcast from. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal people listening in today. Hey everyone, you're listening to Say The Podcast, it's your host Dallas Say and for this episode, guess who's back?
1: It's Sir Avant-Garde. Happy to be back on the show.
0: I know. So the last episode, a lot of you enjoyed Sir Avant-Garde being here, so much so we decided maybe we can do a round two. And since we're out here in 2020, why don't we just like look back a little bit at some of the technology that maybe the new generation would be shocked to hear about, or maybe the ones that you probably look back and think, how did we even tolerate that?
1: So I think for a lot of us in our mid to late 20s and even coming to our early 30s, we grew up in a time where there was a lot of transitioning between technology and the growth within consumer tech was actually very rapid. So looking back at, let's say, the early 90s where you had a lot of the, I guess, more basic hardware, which was used for a lot of the technology or consumer electronics. Coming into now, where everything is so much more advanced, it's probably a good idea to, I guess, educate. A lot of the younger people may not have experienced the transition into the current age of technology.
0: All right. So how about we rewind for a second? What are some of the hallmarks of the 90s technology?
1: For myself, I grew up around the time when the Game Boy was really big. So this was the Game Boy Color And when the PlayStation, the original PlayStation came out, those would be the two that come to mind. That was the first bits of consumer electronics and entertainment that I was introduced to. And alongside that was just retro gaming. Well, at least what's considered as retro gaming classics right now, which was like Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation and Game Boy, which was Pokemon. Pokemon Red, Blue, Silver, all them lot. That's what I grew up with. Can
0: we talk about some of those graphics? Because... I don't know how we survived in an era where the graphics were actually terrible. I remember a time when Game Boy didn't even have color. It probably didn't last very long. It was somewhere, you know, in my early childhood. But I remember a time when Game Boy didn't even have color. It was like little blocks. And somehow at the time, it was like the coolest thing. But now you probably look at it and be like, what is that?
1: Yeah, I think those are just simpler times. Those are times where every time that there was a new game or a new console that came out, it seemed that there was always something groundbreaking and revolutionary. So everything was always accepted. It's not like today where we criticize almost every game that comes out and every console that comes our way, that all oh, the graphics aren't good enough or the experience wasn't good enough. Back then, it was just focused around the game. So whether the graphics were good or not, it was more for the time. And even looking back at the games today, it's just it was more around the experience and the story and how we could immerse ourselves into that whole like world that the game has created for us, which is interesting. Actually, that's another conversation to be had. But I think that's the main difference between like i guess now and now and then
0: so what was it about those consoles that made them memorable for you
1: i think the main thing that appealed to most of the youth at the time was that it was very portable so the game boy was the first experience most of us had with portable gaming so to be able to take something with us and actually play it on the go play it on our bed or just not really have to be restricted into one place that's probably why it appealed to a lot of people at least a lot of kids i know it appealed to a lot of adults at the time as well but for the playstation it was if you wanted to have a more enhanced experience you'd go for the playstation as opposed to the game boy and it's really just the games that came out at the time that they really really spoke to you so it feels like during that time when we were young that was like a learning platform for us at least for myself i learned a lot of i guess about life and Just different vocabulary through playing games. Because they were actually targeted towards I think 13 year olds plus and most of us would have been under 10 years old.
0: Oh yeah, totally. So I remember when we'd be playing Game Boy, and at the time they didn't have sound or they didn't really have dialogue going on. So you would read these dialogue boxes, what was going on in the game, you know, when you speak to like Nurse Joy in Pokemon or whatever it was, you know, you'd read the dialogue. And as you said, you know, we were all like young kids. I remember reading some of these words that I didn't understand and, you know, being introduced to all these concepts. And sure, it is a game, but in the game, you know, it packs on all these different ideas and you're introduced to new phenomenons. And, you know, Pokemon was also a very popular anime. It was a really popular cartoon at the time. And oh, speaking of tech. So this was at a time when we obviously didn't have streaming. And Every Friday, we would rush home. We would not do anything that afternoon. We would rush home. We would be sitting there by the TV, turning on Fun Channel in Saudi Arabia and switching on to Pokemon. And the next day when you go to school, you know, the next time you go to school, you talk to all your friends. Did you watch it? And if they missed it, oh no, you missed out. You know, you will never know how much precision and how much planning it takes to catch all those episodes. I mean, in Pokemon, they were all trying to catch the Pokemon. But really, like in real life, we were trying to catch the right shows at the right time. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: I pretty much had it the same way you did. It's just really trying to plan my day out so I can I can finish my homework in time to just be able to watch the shows that I wanted to. Uh, Pokemon was huge. Digimon was huge. Dragon Ball Z was massive. Loved all of those shows. That was my gateway into anime. But on a different note, I think that this is a great segue into talking about the cassette and the VHS or VCR. I'm not sure what you guys call it in different parts of the world. But I remember having to rewind tapes and cassettes to actually watch any movie or any recorded shows that you had.
0: Oh, yeah. And on top of that, so we were living in Saudi Arabia, guys, and in Saudi Arabia, not everything is accessible. I remember we would scour for these VHS tapes of the latest movies, and sometimes it would take months after its released, till we get our hands on it sometimes it wasn't even months actually it was years we would count down we would wait for all these releases to come out and you know all the kids who would go overseas or whatever who would you know get a hold of them oh you want to be their friend because you want to watch those movies even when you did have the vhs when you did have the cassette tapes the process of rewinding it and rewinding it and imagine watching a movie that you liked and you loved it so much you kept playing it again and again there was this really fuzzy thing that went on after some time when you played it back. Do you remember
1: those? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, back then, w- when you used to forward and and rewind the tapes a lot, um, the tape inside the VHS it used to actually deteriorate over time. So you'd end up having like fuzzy cassettes. You'd even have like parts of the movie which were pretty much blank. And actually, the same thing used to happen for for the Walkman. So all the tape players, the cassette music players. If any of you remember that, it was one of those little chunky playback devices we used to carry around. The most famous one was called the Walkman. And we used to have to always rewind and fast forward all of the albums that we had just to make sure that we can listen to it from front to back or to a specific song in the album. But same thing used to apply to that. Parts of it wouldn't be playable or the tape would come out because it'll get jumbled up inside the Walkman and stuff like that.
0: And you know what we used to do after things were jumbled up in the Walkman? You know, that little cassette tapes, like little pieces were coming out or whatever, like pieces of tape. We would take a pencil or a pen and you would manually like fix it. So the cassette tapes would have these little holes in them, right? There would be two little holes in this cassette tape. And when a bunch of this tape just kind of came out because of all your rewinding or whatever, or someone played with it and then things happened, you would get a pencil or a pen or whatever it was. And you would just manually screw it back. You would just like make that movement like as if you were screwing things. And hopefully the tape will actually go back. The thing that blew my mind back in the day, and to be honest, still kind of like blows my mind right now. Sometimes when you press forward or whatever to the next song, somehow in all of that tape, the tape knows exactly where to stop and play. Yeah, I used to think that was pretty cool and fascinating.
1: Yeah, that was actually something we take for granted today. So we just go through albums, click next, and oh, here's another song, let's jump to it. We couldn't do that back then. Back then, if we wanted to go to a song, we had to actually, I guess, forward it. But a lot of the albums that were there, sorry, a lot of the tapes that were there, they actually had tape markers in them. So it actually, when you forward it, there's a thing inside the cassette, which knows that this is the part where the next song starts. So it knew where to stop. But yeah, not interesting. That's something we take for granted, just access to media.
0: But it's not just any access to media. It's access to the media that you want. Because I remember like sometimes you would buy like an entire cassette tape or even a CD. Now that we're talking about it, you'd buy the whole album of an artist. And now you can probably just buy their songs or stream their songs or, you know, whatever. But back in the day, you would just have to buy the whole thing, listen to the whole thing. You know what I mean? I mean, in a way, it's kind of good. You get to like listen to a full body of work versus like, you know, singles here and there. But... And when we were growing up, that was definitely the case where you couldn't pick and choose. Um, and I remember that sometimes there would be like lesser known artists and we would go hunting for them in these music stores, like music shops or whatever, and ask like, oh, so do you have this artist? And they'll be like, nope. You know, so I guess in a way, like, you know, it's so great that we have this democratization of technology and access to artists and artistry that we might not have had the access to, you know, watching indie films, streaming it on your own Streaming at your own at your own time and watching at your own time, which, you know, when you think about it is is really important. But back in the day, obviously, you know, to help with that, just you got to stick with what you have.
1: Yeah. And I think another thing as well, which we take for granted is the way that we take photographs. I mean, back then we really had to go through the process of, you know, finding a camera, number one, if you didn't have it. Second thing was, if you did, you had to get the film, the role that you had to put inside your camera to actually take photos and then send it to someone to actually process it for you. Nowadays, you can just pull out your phone and, I guess, take a picture of whatever you want. Back then, we had to actually think about, do I want to take a picture of this? I can only take 20 photos or 10 photos. These disposable cameras they used to sell, which they still still do, they used to be pretty expensive. So did you really want to use it up on this specific thing you were looking at? Or did you want to save it for something else later on? And
0: some of these cameras, you you know, you couldn't even look back at the previous images. Is that right? I mean, I not that I can remember anyway. I wasn't taking photos at like... 10 or 8 so I wasn't taking photos you know that early but what I do remember was whatever you got on film that was it you know what I mean like you couldn't really um get away with much I guess when you look back at like a lot of these children's photos that we had (laughs) you can tell that someone had like one shot and that was it You know, whereas these days you get all these kids having their own Instagram and their parents kind of running it and the pictures are so nice and stuff. But, you know, that's kind of cool. That's, you know, you can definitely tell technology has played a part in that.
1: Can we also please acknowledge that we used to be able to memorize all the addresses and the phone numbers of all our friends and family? I mean, that's another thing that just came to my mind. But talking about phones, how we can pretty much do almost anything on it, but we can't remember people's phone numbers. That's just crazy because we grew up in a time where, If you didn't know the phone number, you lost the paper you wrote it down at, you're not going to be able to contact that person or friend until you see them the next time.
0: You know what? With that problem came one solution. I don't even know if people keep it these days, but address books. So address books, oh my god. In my friendship circle when I was growing up, it was super popular. We had super cute address books. We would all write each other's numbers down, write our names, write our phone numbers because we didn't have mobile numbers back then. and even put people's addresses. And every time you wanted to call someone up, every time you wanted to call, like, I don't know, the dentist or the hospital or whatever it was that you were trying to call, you know, the hairdressers, you would just pull out this phone book or you'd pull out, you know, your own address book to call the people that you do want to call. And if you did lose that phone book, man, you were screwed. Your lifeline is done. It's kind of like the equivalent of losing your phone, but not quite. But yeah, a lot of information were really stored in those address books
1: not just that the process of going through your address book and then dialing it on a landline phone was another thing like you could never really do too much because if you're using your landline and trying to call someone while let's say someone was using the internet they'd be pretty ticked off because the internet would disconnect if you tried calling someone or if you just tried using the phone
0: you know what now that we're here let's talk about dial-up internet i remember when dial-up internet was first a thing it was it was becoming more common in people's homes we had this one desktop For the whole family. We would all have like 20 minutes, 30 minutes to browse the internet. The web pages even back then, websites back then were pretty basic. I remember when I first had access to the internet, you know, you couldn't even use the phone. If someone used the phone, you would be cut out. We would have fights (laughs) because one person would be taking like five minutes longer than the other. Sometimes, you know, parents would want to come use a desktop to do work and you just want to like chill and have fun. Man, that was a rough time
1: oh very rough time i mean i can't remember what i used to do with the computer that often but i remember i used to play a lot of games and 20 minutes to play a game to 30 minutes to play a game wasn't all that long i mean people spend hours nowadays imagine trying to get everything you want to do into like 30 minutes yeah it's a it's a bit it's a bit too much for a kid who's like 10 12.
0: and you know what else i remember i remember MSN messenger i remember people having like a really long MSN name or whatever it was that they had All of them did not make sense. The coolest thing was to not make sense. The more nonsense you had in your MSN Messenger, you know, your instant messaging name, the cooler it was. So I think mine had like a bunch of like, I don't even know, like emojis and like random letters, numbers, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase. (laughs) And you would like chat to all these like random people. And back then we didn't even have like profiles. The other thing we got to talk about is ASL, Age, Sex, Location. And that was like super big in chat boxes, like in chat rooms. Chat rooms, do you remember those?
1: Oh, I remember chat rooms. That's where you actually, you know, got to meet real people on a computer as opposed to just these bots. And I guess the alternative to that would be Facebook groups, but it's not really like a live chat. Chat rooms are really cool. You'd find something that you're interested in and other people in that chat room would also have the same interest as you. I used to be part of one, which is like a cyberpunk group, and everyone just used to discuss like different, like cyberpunk movies or different cyberpunk shows and just share like all this digital art and stuff like that. I mean, there was ways that you'd share it through. I don't know if you guys remember like those forums. So they'd be like, oh, check out my forum or sub forum and my fan page and stuff like that. And They'd show like whatever that they've put together, whether it was like stories or like images that they found on the internet. It was pretty cool. I miss those times.
0: You know what? I actually think that was the beginning of the social media era. You know, I think it has now transformed into the social media we know today, connecting people back in the day, like chat rooms and MSN Messenger and what what have you. You know, all those capacities and all those facilities are still available, actually. It's just looking a little different now. A lot of it is really integrated. And obviously, the things you can do and the capacity of what you can do online has greatly changed. We can generate our own content to a large scale, like on Moss, you know, you have the tools. <laughs> i remember when we used to actually code websites when you wanted to create like a website like on pixel or something you would have to copy the code paste it in or some folks would even just like learn how to do it themselves and try to make their little pixel sites or what have you make that look cool and i remember like getting all these glittery icons and all that on my website but yeah do you remember much about those days of like coding and stuff
1: I did, and I think that was my introduction into just how to look at a website differently. Because I was always looking at it, oh, how do I make this look cool? And just go searching through different like code templates that I can use and changing them. But yeah, that was I completely forgot about that actually. That was a huge part of my like schooling days, just using that, trying to be cool with the other kids, be like, yo, check out my website, look what I've done. You guys want to, you know, have a look at it? And just be like, oh, yo, that's super dope. How'd you do that? Share this with me. Can you do mine? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, just pay me. Yeah, no, I definitely do remember that now. Thanks for bringing that up.
0: In saying all of that, I think we should take the experiences of the past, the kind of technologies that we had available to us, and use that to appreciate what we have now. You know, that obviously things have dramatically changed over not just the 90s, but the 2010s. You know, a lot of things have happened. But looking back, obviously, it's it's nice to have that little bit of nostalgia. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't really want to be stuck there Things are a lot cooler now. Things are really advanced now. And, you know, it's a very exciting time to be part of the technology that we're living in at the moment. And with that, thank you so much for listening. Of course, without the advent of the Internet, without the advent of all these cool technologies and capacities, you would not be listening to us right now. You can always follow Say the Podcast on Instagram at Say the Podcast, Facebook at Say the Pod. You can totally subscribe to us on major listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever floats your boat. And of course, you guys seem to like Sir Avantgarde so much. So where can these folks find you?
1: So I'm mostly active on Instagram and pretty much only Instagram. You can find me at Sir Avantgarde. Link will be in the description. Give me a shout whenever you guys want to have a chat. I'm always available. I do reply to my DMs, so I'm pretty accessible. So give me a shout.
0: It's always a blast doing this for you guys. Thank you so much. If you love this show, if you enjoy what you're listening to, please leave us a review. It helps others find us and enjoy it too. Thank you so much. Bye!